everybody welcome to the 285th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling live and direct on that super sunday got to see where everybody is uh placed in this tournament uh march madness so a lot of basketball today and uh nothing trailblazers related until now which is kind of a relaxing thing when you really think about it and it's extra, I think, special for residents of the Row City because there are two regions coming in to Portland to play at the Rose Quarter. And we found out who those teams were. Uh, if you listened previously, you, kn- you knew that uh, we both just bought tickets in advance. We pretty much knew Gonzaga was going to be there, but it was just more for the experience. But we finally figured out what games we're going to see. And we have Gonzaga in Georgia state, the one sixteen in the West, as well as Boise state and Memphis, uh, Memphis, uh, whether you like watching them play or not, it still is an up close and personal look at a top 10 pick in Jalen Duran. I'm really salivating at the thought of seeing Gonzaga and Memphis on, uh, day two of that, uh, is region. Bonnie healthy? What's that? Is Bates healthy yet or not? I don't know. He's not draft eligible, so he's not my boo. Uh, only draft eligible prospects are, are the apple of, of my eye. Bates shouldn't be <laughs> right not now. Boo. And I'll tell you that now. And then we also get more local flair. You have the number four seed UCLA Bruins taking on uh, the Akron Zips. And then you have St. Mary's, who is just a pest of a team out of the West Coast Conference. And they'll take on the winner of Wyoming versus Indiana and Indiana's got a second round prospect that that we'll get to in a bit. Um, so I'm really pulling for the Hoosiers uh, because I think Indiana and St. Mary's would be a fantastic matchup um, and a potential St. Mary's UCLA day two matchup. So that is going to be a really fun Thursday, Saturday uh, combo. Uh, I took those, I took Thursday, Friday off stage. I've only got a three day work week coming up. Nice. Uh, it's 1045 right now. And I'm still wired because one fuck daylight savings. Uh, so it's really 9.45. But two, it's like, okay, the, the the big dance is here. And it's it's so fun to fill out a bracket. Like, uh, before we got on this, you were talking about um, jumping on the family Zoom and, and talking about uh, what teams to avoid or what teams to pick. What, what are some of your strategies or what are some of your family member strategies that they go in when, when they fill out their bracket? Pure homerism. Like, I, I have family, that, like, we originated in Rhode Island, so... Obviously, they're going heavy for the Providence Providence team, which, you know what? They're a four seed. They deserve to be recognized. Um, I have one cousin that actually knows college basketball. Like, she was telling me how she loves uh, Benedict Matherin, and, you know, she's a uh, alum from Arizona. So, she's the one I actually have to work, watch out for. But, like, they're more of a baseball, football family. But, you know, when, when competition – comes they want to be a part of it and you know they've been watching you know the 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 tournaments now but you know i've had a lot more time to digest this this season so you know i'm i'm just gonna go with what my gut's feeling and not really worry about them because i feel like they're going to they're going to mess up and as long as i don't mess up as badly as they do i feel like i'm in a good position 
Yeah, it's it's so fun filling out a bracket. I, I, Olga doesn't hasn't really watched an ounce of college basketball. We do both a men's and a women's bracket, and we always put some sort of household chore on the line or or something fun and friendly. But it, it like it it really like I know if there's something on the line, like I don't care it if it's a five. It makes, it makes it bigger and better. Um, the uh, the I, I forgot to tell you, like uh, so you know the Lee family likes to have reunions. We love to plan in advance. So the winner of this gets like an actual bedroom when we have our family vacation. So the winner of the uh, the, the the fantasy football yearly gets a room. And so this is for like an actual room with four walls instead of like a bunk cabin sharing it with somebody else. So there is definitely a level of me wanting to win this for selfish reasons and not just because I love the sport of college basketball sometimes, you know? I'm not going to ask for your final four because I don't have mine yet, but there are a couple of uh, bracket-related questions that uh, I want to ask you. First, who's a team you irrationally love that you know is going to break your heart? Davidson. I love Davidson. They play a really fast, fun game. There's a on the uh, Davidson team. So he's Korean and, you know, like I'm Chinese. So like, you know, representation matters. So when you see somebody that looks like you and you're like Asian, it's like, okay, I'm drawn to him. And we're going to talk about him in a later date. So I don't need to talk about his skill set that much, but he is a sharpshooter. So, you know, I love the spacers in the, uh, in, in the draft. So uh, Davidson's my, my team. Any Lee is a Lee of mine. So I'm, I'm all about it. The team that I love, they are going to break my heart, is Purdue. Okay, I feel that. The Big Ten traditionally plunders in the tournament. They got nine teams invited this year. Purdue, on paper, should be a lock for the Final Four. You have one of the most explosive and electric guards in the country, Jaden Ivey. Sasha, Sasha Stefanovic, Stefanovic, excuse me, one of the best pure shooters in the country. They have two First team all conference big, Zach Eady, Trivion Williams. Like this team is built to play any way, fast or slow, inside or out. And yet sometimes they look like that team and sometimes they just look like a pretender. But there's just some Kool-Aid that I can't stop drinking. And that, that's my my team. Uh in in the women's tournament, I know I'm irrationally going to have Kansas State going far just because they have uh Ayoka Lee. And she put up 61 of them things early on in the season. She's a junior, already said she's coming back for her senior year. And I feel like, especially in the women's game, if you have a dominant player that, that you might as well trot out like LeBron James out there, because you are just going to run all of the offense through them and they're going to put the team on their back. So I go star heavy. So I, I, I fuck with that. Let your star player cook and, you know, you don't need to let some guards that don't have a chance in the league run your offense. Many teams that I can name right now. And I, I will ask you to play spoiler a bit. Give me one of your biggest upsets. And you don't have to have any basis of reason for picking that team. Well, I think Davidson's going to beat Duke. Okay. So that's not just a one round. That's a two round upset. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, here's the deal. So Davidson, as a 10 seed, they would have to beat Michigan State, and mm-hmm. then they would have to beat Duke. Okay, I'll give you that. That's a pretty big upset. Yeah, I, I think, well, Duke is very beatable now. Like, they don't have a guard. They they kind of play – they play like it's the 2000s-era isolation ball. 
Davidson is a smart team. They don't have like the most, the best athletes, but they have smart players that can get into positions to really frustrate the Duke uh, team. So, you know, I, I when AJ AJG versus Lee happens, I'm going to be uh, pulling for the uh, Davidson to win. I have the 14 seed Longwood Lancers over the three seed Tennessee Volunteers. Is that because of uh, Jerome? You know me so goddamn well. It is 100% because <laughs> of Jerome Kersey. That There is some good mojo there. That Longwood hasn't made the tournament in ages. And traditionally, teams that have had to play like three or four straight nights in the conference tournament, they tend to cool down. Like there's only been one team that I can remember. It was the the cardiac, Kemba, Kemba's cardiac uh, Huskies. Uh, where they just had comeback after comeback, and he was hitting big shot after big shot, and he took the Big East tournament where they won four and four nights, and he brought that, and they ended up winning the the national championship in 2011. But a lot of times, the teams that win these conference tournaments, they're they've used up so much emotion, and physical and mental energy, and it's it's hard to get up. And you've got a team that all of these mid majors, this is their Super Bowl. Just winning one, just getting to the dance is a big deal, and they're going to go just all out to try to do whatever they can. And it just, it seems like more and more, there are more, more upsets every year. Now I was telling you this when you were talking about like, Oh, you just filled out your bracket and you feel like it's really chalk heavy picking all of the favorites. And I said, I really understand that because when I was looking at the brackets, I was like, Oh, I'm picking that team. And that team I was like, wait, that's, it's not how it's going to unfold. Like when you watch college basketball, you, you know what, what teams are good. So you know what to expect, but there, there's just, an, there's an art more than science to filling out a bracket and you just have to take some chances. And sometimes you, you know, you hit big and sometimes you hit triple zeros, but that's, that's, I, I, that's I the beauty like, of it. I don't know any single player on Longwood. So no, I'm picking them because of Jerome Kersey. Okay. That's, Cause I feel like Tennessee is kind of like a team that's built to be successful in the, in the tournament. They have good guard play like that. That is the NBA 2k team du jour. Like in 2k, you have the best players are those five, eight guards and they have two of them on their team with Ziggler and Kennedy Chandler. So I'm like, okay, they got the guard play. They have some good bigs. Like I'm rolling with this, that, that, that SEC team pretty, pretty far. So if, if that Jerome Kersey curse happens to them, my bracket is fucked. <laughs> are you a one bracket guy or a multiple bracket guy? Nope, I am a I am a strict one bracket policy guy because you have to know who to root for. Like having multiple brackets, it's kind of cheating because you yeah. can't take, you can't take credit. So if you pick an upset, if you have two or three brackets, you pick an upset, you don't get credit for that because that's not going out on a limb. You know, like the gambler in me is like in the Lee family league. It's, I see that there's two. You can have two brackets, and I'm like, well. This 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 is more for a this isn't just for bragging rights. This is for a bed in a for a family reuni- reunion we're having in upstate New York in August. I want walls, <laughs> so I, I think that in that Lee League that I I will do too. Just double my chances, but in terms of like the holy backboard uh, challenge that we're doing, I'm I'm rolling with the one that I created for the Lee league. And then, you know, doubling my chances of a bed is, is a, is a big thing. I don't want to be a trundle bed boy anymore. 
Oh my God, that is a, a classic line from the Holy Backboard, if I've ever heard one. Before we get into NBA basketball, there's something else I wanted to discuss with you. Um, Olga made a dis, uh, delicious, fantastic lasagna. And this is what sparked this, this question. I know we've asked it before, but I've got more, more answers for you. So we got to day three of this lasagna and there's still like a quarter of it left. And it's not enough for another full night of dinner for both of us. And Olga's looking at this like, do you think you can eat all of this lasagna? I'm like, absolutely, 100%. Get my, and I'm, I'm hungry too. Heat it up. It goes down quick. I still have some salad on the side. And I was like, oh, that, that was easy. Like, is lasagna now in my top three foods that I can just go ham on and just eat until I can't eat anymore? And I think so. So I want to ask you, what are your top three foods that you feel like you can eat the most of? Like if you're put into a competition. Oh, I thought you, when you asked me this, I thought you meant like every day eat right. No, no, just the food. You have a massive amount of food in your plate. What are the top three foods that you feel like that you could just eat and eat and eat? So I got to I am a slow soup slash ice cream eater. So anything that I have to use a spoon for is a no-go. Well, also, yeah, I think dairy in general on a, on a quantity challenge is just, uh, you're going to be back. You're already back. I'm already backed up for you. If you go ahead and do that. Cool. Cause like my mom's the slowest eater I know. And when well, it doesn't have to do with like speed though, either just like you have all the time in the world, but how much do you think you can intake? You have to get a good pace. So soup and yeah. ice cream and stuff like that. I have a very slow pace. So I feel like I feel like I could do like if if I get to the point of my career where I'm in Arlen, Texas, and there's the 72 inch uh, 72 inch steak challenge, I feel like I could do it if like it meant that I get the propane contract. So I think I could just eat a lot of a lot of steak. Hmm. I feel like the same way with ribs. It's about the pacing. You can't you can't eat slow. So my pacing on eating ribs and steak is really high. And then honestly, like. But I'm just going to say it. I, I think I could out eat a lot of people when it comes to rice. Like I've done that. I, I've ate, I've eaten rice like four times a week for 30 years of my life. I feel like I could, that, that, that's a very easy, like I, I know more about the rice that I'm eating than the people too. Like rice, rice is life. So those would be my three. Like if I, if I really needed to show off my eating ability, those three. Are you doing those ribs dry or wet? That's it. Because you got to be conscious. Are there about, are, how many people like? Because no, it's just it's just you. But oh, it's like, I'm by myself, and I can eat by yourself, and you. Okay, have, then, think then of the as, napkins really aren't a thing. So I would probably do the the sauce rib just because, like, I'm not trying to impress anybody. Because, like, no, you're not trying to impress. <laughs> it's just like literally, like, of all the foods in the world, what do you think you could eat the most of? Yeah, I, I would go steak, ribs, and rice. Okay. I, the the one thing I would say about the wet ribs, uh, when I did eat meat, I would prefer them with sauce, but also like the sauce would become, I think maybe a deterrent once you get oh, those chicken food. wings too. I feel like it can body some chicken wings. I think you would choose chicken wings. I would. Yeah. Okay. Fine, fine, fine. Cause I, I, I can knock down some chicken wings. So instead of the ribs, we'll go chicken, steak, chicken wings and rice. I would go and for our listeners, our OGs, tray full of nachos. I think you get a good, you get crunch and you get different flavors um, and textures. Your, your taste buds so, want to get bored. I get that. Yeah, every bite um, is something different. And I've, I've bodied a tray full of nachos at least once every six months. 
lasagna that I found out. Again, you're getting uh, different flavors, different textures. Um, and then you can also have the salad, like that kind of is a good uh, palate cleanser. And I think I'd go breakfast. I think I could uh, crush like a eggs? lot of pancakes. Or, uh, oh, pancakes. oh, eggs. Yeah, I got either scrambled eggs or pancakes. Like it was just. I mean, if you're trying to eat the most, like oh, those eggs, like on a normal day, you probably could eat eat three. So if you're trying to just indulge yourself to the highest amount, like you could knock out knock out nine easily. Yeah delicious and you could put toppings in the eggs like jalapenos uh, cheese salt pepper how do you think your pacing would be god damn it why would i have to use that term what do you think your pacing would be with uh the nachos because i eat nachos very slowly because i'm trying to build the, the ultimate nacho when i eat for comfort which is 100 of the time it's just whatever i'm you know it's it's a, it's a deliberate pace it's not too slow but it's like okay maybe buy the nachos sip a beer you know and just maybe you're watching a game well i think watching something is definitely an advantage because you take your mind off of it but like also uh, a good amount of hunger is key you don't want to be too hungry that you fill up so fast but you have to want to eat and you want to i think enjoyment is my is my other key like if you're enjoying what you're eating you're just going to keep going and that's basically the moral of this lasagna story is i was really hungry and the lasagna tasted delicious and i just bodied it and I, I think i wanted more food after i finished yeah man i'm just trying to think of like in the past the stuff that i just yeah but like i feel like chinese food's definitely one of mine then yeah oh, man. i think sushi would be a sneaky top five for me the rolls are just so what what is the technique that you eat your soup like do you, what do you use uh do you are you a soy are you a wasabi ginger what are you uh in terms all of it of, all of it okay so so in some rolls you don't even need the wasabi or, or soy some are just have that sauce as key but i if i if i am eating something and i go to something different i always take the ginger for the palate cleanser but yes, sushi, I think, would be my, my third over the breakfast, I think. Yeah. So, you know, shit, shit that pops in my mind's age, and I just want our listeners to know that we really enjoy food. Um, it, it's key. And uh, especially when the Blazers are having kind of a, they're just trying to run off the clock, so to speak. You know, if, if they could, if Joe Cronin could be a, a GM on NBA 2K and hit that sim, sim to end button, that, that button would have been pressed you know, months ago, but, um, it is not. And they do play the games. Uh, the Blazers as it stands are 26 and 40 on the season. Uh, this past week, they, uh, wrapped up their road trip, losing to the Timberwolves, uh, 81 to 124 without Anthony Simons, also without Anthony Simons on national television, the Utah jazz gave the Blazers the business, uh, winning 123 to 85. And then Josh Hart had a Herculean effort um, as the Blazers defeated the Wizards, who were on the second night of a back-to-back, 127 to to 118. Portland is now staring at a five-game road trip um, as they kind of get towards the tail end of their season. If the season were to end today, the Blazers would have uh, the eighth pick and then actually be a coin flip because they have the same amount of wins as the Spurs. Coin flip for seven and eight, and then the the Knicks and Pelicans would have a coin flip for nine or 10. So still 
looking good with two lottery picks. Sage, what was your good for the week? Mm-hmm. I feel like Cronin has constructed a really shitty team. <laughs> and <laughs> that leads to a lot of questions. Like, is Brandon Williams good, bad? Is he replacement level good? Is he replacement level bad? Like, so it leads to a lot of questions, but it took a career game from Josh Hart for us to win a game against a team that's really exhausted after a doubleheader. So without their best player. Without their best player. Sometimes, sometimes Josh Hart has his most transcendent game ever, and the Washington Wizards didn't do anything to stop it. So you take them as you as it goes. We have built a, a a thing that's built to last for this next few weeks of just taking horrible, horrible L's. So this one win, like if you enjoyed that one win, I'm happy for you. But I think that the losing will continue to happen. Yeah, I would I would say like in a normal year, Josh Hart going off for 44 would be my good. But like to be honest, I don't know how many more 44 point performances Josh Hart has in his career. And I really wish he would save it for a, a better like a season. Good game, a good team. Yeah. Exactly. So for that reason, it's not my good. I'm actually gonna go Keon Johnson against the Utah Jazz. This was a team that had Portland doubled up. I think we were down by over 50 at one point, mm-hmm. and he plays 30 minutes. Can you guess what his plus minus was, Sage? It was probably minus like six. No, it was as n- neutral. It oh, was zero. Neutral. In a game where Portland ended up losing by 38 points, he plays 30 minutes and was a at least a net neutral. I, mean, I think that's three? absolutely incredible. Like nobody else was really close that played the amount of time that he did. Shot almost 50% from the field, shot 50% from three, had five assists and no turnovers. That is huge as he continues to grow into that point guard role. His shot is looking better and better. Um, so I, I think I want to see him play more than any other player. Like, I'm sorry, CJ Ellaby. I'm sorry, Ben McElmore. We know who you are. Give Keon Johnson all of the time and see what you have. Because, I mean, I just thought that was kind of a, a random stat. But, it, like, even watching the game, I kind of noticed, like, okay, Keon's doing really well. So, and I think that for, for a raw long-term prospect, you know, there's not many good takeaways when you get absolutely destroyed in national television. But I'll, I'll take that one. They were, they were complimentary of him, too. Like, he and Brandon were getting, like, well – at least they're getting to the lane type of compliments. Like it was kind of like the Hubie Brown compliments that Al Farouk Aminu used to get. Like, you know, like when he was a younger player, they were like trying to target one positive from getting beasted on national TV. And it used to be Al Farouk Aminu when I used to watch the Hornets play. Now it's, you know, Brandon's getting to the spot. He's not making the shot but he's getting to the spot that he needs to be. And then Keon was also getting those compliments. So, I mean, if we're looking for something else to to be happy about or thankful for that announcing duo of Mark Jones and Doris Burke is S tier. It it does not get better than those two, Uh, the knowledge of the game, uh, the vocabulary, and they're just overall conversation is really wonderful. Uh, they were delivered basically a shitter of a game and they made it feel like it was a one to two possession game throughout. Like they weren't, they weren't just dogging on the blazers. They weren't dogging on the game that they had to sit through and watch it. Like they were true consummate professionals 
And I, I just thought their candor and their their rapport back and forth was was fantastic. Like I wish they would be calling the NBA Finals rather than Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Very enjoyable game to to listen to, and that's tough to say when you're getting blown out by fifty. Absolutely. What's your bad for the week? I mean, the one win. I have an ugly that I want to expound on, but I guess the one win was the you bad. You can double up. You can do bad and ugly. I mean, the season okay. bad. So and the ugly. ugly is that we know what we're doing with this. The rest of this season, it's it's very obvious we're tanking, trying to get a good draft pick or two in this in this draft. But I have no idea what year two of this is going to be. Like after after the the draft is over, or no, at the lottery. I, I get it. I get what is happening, but I don't get what we're doing after the lottery. It let's be real. Like if Damian Lillard and Ant are there, we have to rank players different than if it's just Ant or just Damian. The draft is going to be hugely like what we do in the draft is going to be the only real information we get. Like Johnny Davis and AJ Griffin are much better prospects if Dame and Ant are there because they can just be off ball superstars and they don't have to carry the load offensively. And that makes them a higher tier prospect with the Portland Trailblazers in terms of fit than Ivy. I think Ivy might be better than both of them, but he doesn't fit with this current roster. So I'm very concerned about what plan, like the next step in this, this rebuild is. It, it really, it factors in on who we draft and we've done so much scouting, but it's like, what is this, like, what is this team going to be in terms of our two star guards? I'm very confused on what that is. And it dictates so much in the draft. Like Ivy would be your third overall guy if if Dame was gone, but if he's there, he's he's down on the list because of what the what the fit is if they're all on the same tier talent wise. And picking that high, you don't really want to be picking for fit. You want to be picking best player available too. So it throws a wrench into your plans. Yeah, I I mean you said you're not sure what year two looks like. I don't know what year like 1.1 looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Right after the season's over, I don't know what the team's doing. At the at the, the lottery, whenever the lottery is, I don't know. But whenever the lottery is, is when I have no idea what the Blazers are doing. I feel like Ivy, AJ, and Johnny are very similar in my mind. So fit has to, has to be a factor in where we select. So, And then just think about the New Orleans pick. We don't know what the fuck's happening. And as you said with uh, Ochai, he would be a 2016 pick, not a 2020 pick. Like Keegan Murray should not be a Blazer next year since we don't know what the fuck we're doing. It's so confusing on what what the plan is. So like, are we just going to take Sochai because he's, he can fit in anything? Like it's, it's so confusing on what we're going to do with, everything after the end of this year. Yeah. I think winning the lottery changes things a lot because you get that four that can step in and play uh, right away, which is the the clear cut, you know, fault in the Blazers uh, starting uh, unit. But, you know, if if you just end up with 10 and eight, what do you do? Like, are they going to try to 
run it with Damon Ant, which we've expressed our, our concerns doing so. Are you going to trade one of your first lottery picks that you've had in nine years for, you know, a, a, a slightly souped up role player? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Cronin's going to do. Part of me feels like Cronin knows and he'll probably use his trade exception to get that player. I think he's going to be, I, I just, this is a gut instinct. I think he's going to be pretty shrewd. And if he has two top 10 picks, I don't think you're going to see him trade one of those picks for a, a Jeremy Grant, so to speak. Uh, I think he's going to build the team that he feels is going to be the best long-term and can be competitive on the court. And then Dame is going to be like, I'm in or I'm not in. I, I don't think we're going to see this catering to Dame, nor do I think Dame is asking the team to cater to him. Every interview that, that I've heard Dame mention Everyone's going to pull out that poll quote, I'm staying in Portland. But if you read every interview this season, it's going to be like, well, I'm just going to kind of see and wait and see how things shake out. Like, I think Dame is letting the the, the, the GM do his thing and he's going to make a decision. He's going to be like, yeah, I want to roll with this team or no, I think I'd like to move elsewhere. And I think that's, that's totally fine. But I also am with you, Sage, that puts this franchise in so much limbo when you don't know what you're going to do. So I think right now we're almost at that, like we'll cross the bridge when we get to it, but, but we're walking up on that bridge and it's almost like it's under construction and it's, it's not who knows when, when completion is going to be and you might just fall off a damn cliff. I mean, bro, like free agency, the draft is all based on, do we have Damian Lillard or not? Or do we have Anthony Simons or not? In theory, he won't, we have to do something in order for him to stay so it, it's, there's just so many steps before the start of the next season that nobody knows. Like Cronin does not know what Dame is going to do until some actions have been done, but it's, it's hard to really rank a player in terms of Blazers fit when you don't know Blazers fit. That's the one team in the lottery where I'm like, I, I legitimately have no idea what, the next step is for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. And I think my worst fear would probably be to try and field a competitive team at the expense of lottery picks when you know that that team's likely not going to be a true contender. Like, I don't know if there's a trade out there that you can go out and get LeBron James. If you can get LeBron, awesome. Go, go for it. But if it's like Pascal Siakam or Jeremy Grant, it's going to make you better, but you're not going to get out of the second round. I mean, and so like you have to really, you have to, and we've been preaching this for years now, you have to have some self-awareness and um, who knows, I think we'll know more once the lottery shakes out, but I think that's a very good uh, way to frame that Sage. I think something for me that I didn't like this week was, you know, it helps out Portland's losing cause, but to hear that an MRI revealed uh, Simons is having, you know, um, you know, knee issues from overuse and overexertion. That's not something I want to hear, especially from one of the biggest bright spots of, of the season. So to me, I would, I don't care how it looks. I think if you either shut him down or you bring him back in two weeks and say, you don't play more than 24 to 30 minutes, like he has been ramped up considerably this season. Why would you even put that, that option of Chauncey Billups overplaying him? I think there is some. I get the reps are important, but man. No, it has nothing to do with reps. I think there is some outside expectation 
to see how the team is performing. Like as bad as I didn't want them to beat Washington, I think it does kind of silence everyone. Like, cause the Blazers are definitely trying to tank. There's no if, ands or buts about that. But when you do lose by 30 to 40 every night, doesn't bother me, but I think you start seeing national people talk about it. You start seeing tweets. Oh, the Lakers and Blazers haven't won since the all-star break and the Blazers are losing by an average of X, Y, and Z. The Blazers haven't lost this many games by 30 for ever. And like you, if you're trying to tank, you don't want any of this extra attention or exposure on you. So like you really try to do it stealthily. Like the NBA cracked down on the Sixers for the process. And I know Portland's nowhere near the process, but I think that would be the only reason I could see them bringing Anthony back is for the perception. Like we're not really trying to tank. And I think that is dangerous because I wouldn't risk your next potential franchise building block based on what other people think. The fact that Damian Lillard is absolutely positively hurt. That makes sense if we don't play him and maybe the, the nurse foot wasn't feeling right. So we're not playing but at least our main guy, he was hurt. He was playing hurt. He was playing injured. So at least we have like, okay, the easiest path once we realized that Dame is legitimately hurt and needed surgery was do what we did. I don't want the the outside noises to affect this team. And I, I mean, I, it's social media era, like the the media and podcasters and all that shit are going to say things, but a lot of bad things could happen if Anthony plays. And then, like, I, I watched every second of Brandon Williams, right? I have watched every second that he's played on the court. I still don't know if he's good or not. It's hard to tell. I, I think if we're, if we're really being honest, I think Portland has one and a half players that they can bring to next year's roster. And that's one Josh Hart. And I think Trent Wadford right now counts for half. Like, I, I think he's showing signs, but I, I don't know if he's going to be in your rotation. Josh Hart's your one rotation player. And you might get some spot minutes from Watford. I think Ebanks is fine too, but again, like you can find fine bigs anywhere. It's not it's not hard. And especially if you're if you're drafting Jalen Duran, he's playing over Ebanks. Oh yeah, well he's playing over every potential big that we have that isn't Yusuf Nurkic. Do you assume that Yusuf's coming back? Absolutely, because of what, is, he did, what he did now. There is no way that Yusuf Nurkic in a contract year. With, this much. with Rich Paul at, at Clutch Agency is sitting out to affect his price tag. There is a 100% chance that there is an agreed-upon deal and both sides have to know what the other is comfortable with. So, I mean, I would put that at like a 95% certainty unless another team just like gives him the max. In like, when I think of the future, I think Yusuf Nurkic, at least for a few years, is a part of that future. I think I want to write about this in the on the blog, but like the fit between the three bigs that you know, if we get lucky, the potential defensive fit between them and uh, and Yusuf because that stuff matters. At least two of the three are good defenders, so I, th- I think that would be a fun thing to look at. But honestly, for me, I, I think we have one player that I know without a doubt is going to play minutes next year. So it's a tryout for everybody, but. I still don't know who's good or not to be completely real. It's like, it's the worst potential situation. Like who who is Gonzaga the best college basketball team or is it Arizona or Baylor? Gonzaga, Arizona, I think are 
right now are the two best. Take Josh Howard out. Take uh, Ben Mclemore out. Who's a better team? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, like to evaluate any player in this scenario when we wouldn't, when a college team could beat us, and I think that's silly to think, but we're using G League and two way contracts. contracts. Yeah, it, it, it's a bad team that we've created. So to try and evaluate Brandon Williams with no NBA teammate, it, it's tough. Like I think he's going to get a chance in summer league. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'll get a chance in summer league, but it's weird. I think it's almost easier to evaluate in summer league than what we're seeing the Blazers put out right now. Yeah, because the other team is also bad. There's teams that we're going to play that are good, and they're playing against. We play the Utah Jazz with G League players, and this is the G League when Seth Curry is there. This is just players that don't deserve these times that are getting it. So. Yeah, it's it, it's tough to try and evaluate. But did you have an ugly? I, I the the question mark of what what we're doing is my ugly. Yeah, I would say my ugly is just the 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 victory. Like it, it's it was cool that Josh Hart got forty four at least, but also now we're back. Like Indiana had just won a game to where they were only two games back in the win column of us. San Antonio had passed us in the in the lottery standings, feeling good. And it's just like we knew this game was going to be hard to to outtank the Wizards, and it just it didn't happen. So that that that's a bit of a bummer. Like I don't really care. Like let's just if I really want to just like rack up the L's, let's get the best potential odds we can have, and not be in this position for another decade because we hit it out of the park with our great draft picks. Like let's I'm committed to this. Like the short term pain for long term gain, all about it. Um question i have for you so knowing how talented the shooting guard prospects are in this draft if you if this was some fantasy world where you could have gary trent jr back and i think about that trade a lot like we moved to gt for norman powell that didn't work out and we're kind of left at the altar and we're seeing gary trent jr thrive in toronto now knowing gary trent jr is about five four or five years into the league, 23 years of age. If you could have, like, let's say you could move one of your lottery picks and every shooting guard is on the board. At what point do you stop and say, okay, I'm taking Gary Trent Jr. instead? Or or would you just rather have GT over any shooting guard prospect in this draft? I want Ivy. I want AJ. I want AJG bad. He plays so many fucking minutes in Toronto that his stats are just so irrationally high. You think it's the usage? So much. And if he's the point guard since Fred Van Fleet is dealing with injuries for playing so goddamn much. So it's tough because I know if this is a different team, Gary Trent's getting 30, not 38. But the the stats are what they are. Um, But Johnny, Johnny would be my question mark. Like, I, I think that Gary Trent's better than uh, Benedict Matherin. But are we using salary or is this just pure talent? Nope. You get Gary Trent Jr. for two more years on his contract. Because you're getting the rookie for the rookie deal. I definitely take AJ and uh, uh, Ivy. And then I think long and hard about about uh, Johnny. But who is who is next to Johnny? 
who's next to Gary and who's next to Johnny in this in this 2K sim? Who is the point guard and who's the shooting guard? You're the Blazers. How tall is Johnny? 6'6". Six, six. He is? Okay. I, I take the big three shooting guards over him and then ben- Benedict and Ochai. But yeah, I, I, I think that AJ definitely has a higher ceiling and 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 Ivy could be can Dwayne Wade. Like I I feel very confident with those two. And then Johnny. I feel like they have some similar issues with their their games. Uh Gary's kind of worked past it, but at the same time he hasn't. Like I, I feel like they have the similar issues with them. So Johnny's a lot younger. So I, I would go with Davis. What about you for the same question? I would take Ivy, Matherin, and Davis. And that would be my cutoff point. I, I would take, I don't, I don't really like AJ Griffin. Uh, I'm not a huge AJ fan. Um, I, th- I think Ochai is too old. Um, the question, the, the, the question mark for me is Kentucky's shade and sharp, right? Like nobody that, so that that's, that's my question mark. So I, I don't know what I would do um, in, in that. And, and the reason the question popped up is I was just thinking like, man, Losing sucks, but like, what if we had a young core of of Ant, GT, and Nas? Oh wait, we did, and we just, you know, Neil Shea boofed it. So that's where that question came up. And that oh, would you rather have Gary than Josh? Josh Hart? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. There, if Gary Trent's on the team, there's no way Josh Hart comes. To Absolutely. Goal. No, I, I would take Gary Trent Jr. I would take GT. I yeah. think he's a better. I think he's a better player. I, it, it, I think it's. For me, it's role. It's defined by the role. Like, if we need a spacer, it's obviously GT because I've seen Josh Hart airball some threes. Like, Josh Hart has this thing about him where 80% of the time, he is great. And then 20% of the time, there is a brain fart that makes me question, like, what I thought of the other 80%. So it's kind of role-specific. For me on those two. Absolutely. And if I'm looking at it just from a championships per- perspective, I think Trent could be the third or fourth best player on a championship team uh, projecting. I think Hart's more of a four to five. So there's that that small gap or that's where I would lean towards uh, Gary. Plus he's, he, I think he's a little bit younger. So I think he's. Who's our coach in this simulation? As I, don't, well? I don't, I didn't expect it to get this deep. Well, you asked the question, I'm going to get deep as Atlantis. Charles Lee, your, your boy. Because if it's Chauncey Billups, I honestly think that Josh Hart might be the better Chauncey Billups player because of the whole drive kick mantra that he said this entire year. I don't want Gary Trent to drive and kick. I want no, to shoot. But I want Gary Trent spotting up and shooting. Oh, three. absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, like, it, it's so, it's so, uh, there's so many scenarios that make me, like, think about, you know, Johnny Davis or Gary or, uh, uh, Josh Hart or Gary so it's kind it's kind of like a those two are kind of like team specific who is the one player that you'll like moan and groan like the same reaction you had if the Blazers picked like Zach Collins or Caleb Swan again like in this draft who is that player for you you want me to say King of Murray I'm not I don't think I don't think it's Keegan Murray it's Kendall Brown yeah but I think that would be a little I think 10 is high for him, but I, I get you. I don't think Keegan, 
I was really mean. I, I felt like I was harsh to Keegan. I don't think he's the right player for this team currently. I don't think he gets past the Kings. Think about what they just did. They traded a lot of assets for Demonis. You're not trying to get a project guy to pair in the front court. You're wanting Keegan Murray because he's going to fit in a role and excel in that role. We just don't we we don't have that role that he can excel in. He's gonna he's gonna be overextended and then it's going he'll lose confidence and he'll look bad. I think it's going to be the only person that I really have an issue with drafting in general is uh Kendall. I I can like so so and at 10 sure all day, all day. But I mean there, there there's some that I have issues with if we're we're at six or seven and we take someone that, that is there at 10. But I don't the only person I guess I'd bitch about is Kendall. Or the G League guys. Yeah. Like uh the older G League guy, I don't have that much faith in. I think it's his, his name's Bochamp. I don't have much faith in him. Marjon Bochamp. Marge, yeah. Because he's older too. He's like uh, he's Ochai age, and he doesn't have Ochai production. If we're at fourteen, I'm fine with taking a chance on Walker Kessler. I'm fine with taking a chance on some of the like lower tier prospects that we've talked about. It's just who the fuck's coach in this scenario while I'm picking too. Like if Charles Lee's the coach, I, I, Kendall Brown probably would fit. But if it's Chauncey Billups, I I, I have no interest in it. But who who's the guy that you bitch and moat about? Is it AJG? If the Blazers get a top two pick and they take Paolo Banchero, I'm gonna rage quit. I, I don't think I could handle it. I, I would. It would be. I, I can't even put the words into my mouth. If they passed on Jabari or Chet for Paolo, that's how big of the gap it, it is for me. Like I think it would be. It would go down as maybe one of the biggest blunders in Blazers draft history, and they've had some big blunders. Would, would Paulo be there? Like, let's say we get four, and uh, the big three are gone. Would you feel? How would you feel about Paulo? <sighs> That's more tolerable. I think I would really rather say, Johnny, hey, who wants Paulo? Can can we fleece oh, you okay. for him? Can we move down a couple of spots and then get a ton of other assets? Like. The, Would you call Indi- who who is the best fit for Paulo? I think it's Indiana when with uh, Halliburton there, or OKC. Oh, I feel that too. Yeah, and I think OKC is the trading partner because if if they pick at four and the big three are gone, they they need a big. They they have no more. They're at a point with all their assets like they don't have space. So I think there are teams you can call OKC, Indy, San Antonio needs a big. Um, they, they've, they're loaded up on, on the, the guards and wings. So I just, the more I watch Benchero, like, I know he's a good college player, but there's just, it's, it's a gut instinct. It was the same instinct I had when Malik Beasley came out of Kansas state, everyone had him the player of the year. It's just something didn't feel right. Like he wasn't scoring, uh, how you should score in the professional game. Like he was just punishing people down low. And that's what kind of gives me pause about keegan murray because that's what he was doing but now he's starting to show a little you, more did range. you mean to see malik beasley not no mike uh, beasley i did not you, like mike beasley coming out of yeah, Kansas you said State. you said malik i met mike <laughs> yeah i'm like god now where did malik go to school florida state okay yeah so it's just it's a feel i don't have a good feeling about paulo just 
So would you go Johnny at four? If you, the GM, if you were the GM and the three big, the big three is gone. Of I number four? Yeah. Ooh, maybe maybe you go back into let's make a deal mode because I'm really high on those three shooting guards. So it's like, and again, it goes back into fit too. Like is, if you have Damon Ant, it's going to be hard to draft Ivy. You have to move one of the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it's a no-go with Ant and Dame with Ivy. But I love Ivy. So I might be like, okay, Ant or Dame, one of you have to go. Like you have to, I'm at the point in my Blazer fandom where it's best player available regardless. Like you can't make any more Odin, Durant, MJ, Bowie, Blunders. Like Chris Paul, Martel Webster. Portland has literally passed on three of the top 25 players of all time just in their laps. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know how many other franchises can, can boast that amount of just horrible luck. So you take best player available and you make it fucking work. Like I, I would feel like if if I'm a vlog boy, I would complain about Cleveland's picks for the last like eight years or no last five with like uh, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Like that doesn't work. But think about it. Colin Sexton's a better off ball player than on. And what will happen? Colin Sexton got hurt, allowed Darius Garland to shine. It, Darius Garland was absolutely the right pick. All Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. You, you would and, think and Lowry that those two couldn't work, but they made it work. Because So I, I feel like fit. It, if it you have a fun. prospect in comparable ranking, go for fit. Hmm. But if it is a significant gap in terms of best player available, you take it. Like if – I don't believe it, but if Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky, probably the only pure point guard that's probably going to go lottery, if he was at the level of Ben Caro or Smith or Holmgren and he's there, you take him and you make it work. You maybe move someone else for other pieces, but he's not. So I don't think Portland will run into that issue, but I, I think Portland of all franchises should know you, you don't let the Jim Paxons of the world. I'm sorry to, to throw uh, shots at Jim Paxson, but you don't let Jim Paxson deter you from drafting Michael. So let's say the trade back thing with, with uh, Paulo isn't uh, an option. Do you balls up and take Johnny Davis at four? Or I Paulo or Matherin. If if there was zero trade, it's it, we're in a we've been talking about a two K sim for the last like oh yeah fifteen minutes absolutely There's no trade back option no trade back and what pick do we have from New Orleans ten yeah let's go ten I probably bite the bullet and take Paolo and hope for the best because I know there is umpteen wonderful shooting guards that I can take I wouldn't be happy about it but I feel like ask me this question let me let me see how confident I can sound. What would you do? I would take AJ Griffin. Four? Yep. Who would you take at 10 then? Sorry. I think I might cry if we had that draft. I would be so hyped for that draft. <laughs> I would be so hyped for that draft. I don't think Tari lasts to 10, bro. If Oklahoma City does that trade back, I think but you they said take no Tari. trade backs. I'm I know, but in a, another scenario, Oklahoma City, if they do the trade back, they take Tari. He is not lasting to. I mean, you got with Oklahoma City's weird, funky ro- thing of roster building, I feel like a 6'10 defender that can 
do all the things Tari Eason can do, that would be a really good fit for them. And like Dort's a good defender, but he can't do it all. So he, I feel like Oklahoma City, they can't get the the big three bigs. They trade back and get Tari Eason. So with the bracket being released today, Sage, give me a couple of prospects that you really need to see a lot out of in your eyes and their bracket specifically, like th- their road to maybe the final four. Like who are a couple of prospects? You're like, okay, this, this player has to put on for his team. Uh, otherwise, like maybe it's, it might not be the right player for us. Are, are we, are we talking 10 or, or we're talking the new Orleans pick? I think in general could even yeah. be a second round pick. You're like, okay, like Ooh. I'm, I want to see the Bama boys do well. Like uh, Keon Ellis and J.D. Davidson for that second pick, or the second round pick at 35. I would like to see how they they play in that scenario of high leverage basketball. Like Davidson was like a top 18 guy for a lot of this year, and now he and uh, Chandler have moved down to the uh, the second round. I would want to see what Davidson can do because I think he's talented. I think the shot selection's bad, but an NBA scheme's going to make him look better. Like, can J.D. Davidson take Brandon Williams' job? Like, I, I would like to see those two Bama boys do really well. You know what? I want to see the uh, the centers, the three, the, the centers that aren't uh, current. I want to see how they do. That would be Christian Coloco from Arizona, Walker Kessler from Auburn, and who is the third? Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Mark Williams from Duke University. Yeah, that, that's a really good one with the bigs, especially. Um, Kessler has really struggled lately. It's, it's kind of been a regression. He definitely regressed towards the mean a bit. He is dealing with a left shoulder injury, but even so – uh, players are having an, just an easy time, I think, going at him and finishing at the rim, especially during that that Texas A&M game where they kind of stunned Auburn. Auburn's been in a bit of a free fall, so it'll be an interesting tournament for them, how they're able to put it together. So I really like that about those three bigs because I think Coloco, uh, if he's there in the second round, you, you snatch him up. Uh, Arizona put him on uh, UCLA's best player in the Pac-12 title game out in the perimeter for over half the game, he was on um, Jaime Jaquez, help, holding his own, finishing with authority. Uh, he's not the shot blocker of Kessler, but I think his defensive ability to at least move on the perimeter might make him more NBA friendly in this. The the secondary big men, uh, where would you rank them between Mark Coloco and uh, Walker? Oh, that's tough because, like I said, pre-regression, it was Walker Kessler all day. Now I'm a little concerned. Um, if we're talking, it also talks about value, right? Like, I, I don't know if I would take e- any of the three uh, in, in the first round with, with our with our second pick, um, which is why I think Coloco has so much value. If he falls to the second round, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's that. How much better is Mark Williams than Christian? I don't know if he is that that's my just personal opinion. I think Mark Williams should go back to school. Um, I think he has the tools, but he doesn't have the, the instincts uh, of Kessler um, blocking shots and he's not as mobile on the perimeter as, as Coloco. Like I, I think he, 
he has that young big um, tendency to kind of foul with his arms a bit. And I would like to see him show some spacing with, with his, uh, any sort of jump shot. Right now he's more of just a, a lob threat. Like um, really, I, I don't like hardly anybody on that Duke team. I, I hate watching them play every single time. <laughs> but turn. we watch it every time they play. We do. Uh, for, for me, we talked about him on our last Future Friday, Ochai Abaji. Uh, I think he got a really favorable bracket in the Midwest. Big Ten, or excuse me, uh, Kansas traditionally struggles in the tournament. He is clearly their best player. Can he lead them to a Final Four? I, mean, I think it sets up nicely for him. And along those lines, we just saw Iowa kind of, they had a little bit of luck but they also had a big performance from Keegan Murray to get them to that big 10 tournament title. Can they make noise in that part of that bracket too? Like if, if Keegan Murray can put on a performance like Kemba Walker did in that tournament, Kemba Walker had a damn good career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, is he able to put a team on his back and say, okay, like this is what we're going to do. That would be incredibly impressive to me, especially if he is doing so much of that work on the perimeter and with the ball handling, uh, which he was doing in, in that game against Rutgers. So is those it are two possible players for him to get to the top six? What's that? Is it possible for him to get to top six with Shaden Sharp, you know, being that? that oh, yeah. Siege, this is the time of, time of year where owners are watching, right? Like they don't pay attention. Like you have your scout, you have your GM, but owners are turning, tuning into games. If they see a player like have a hot streak, like, they definitely have sway in that draft room. They can oh, be like, this guy can sell tickets for me. That's how Jimmer Fredette was drafted because they're like Jimmer mania. Everyone knew he wasn't really going to be a good player, but ownership in Sacramento was like, we want him. There's going to be a team that has been in the lottery for quite a bit of time. And they're going to be like, we can market, we can market NCAA champion Keegan Murray. Like that, that, that's our mark. That's our, that's our, that's our ticket right there. So I okay, definitely think how about this can, can he reach to that big six level in your scouting if he wins the NCAA? And yes. And if he does it like he did it uh, against Rutgers, where he's really doing a lot of movement shooting, a lot of perimeter shooting, um, I would want to see more uh, own shot creation. That's something I haven't seen from him. Um, so I do, I still think his game is limited. So I think you feel a little bit more comfortable taking him higher, but I still need to see how he's scoring. If, if he's just punishing smaller players down low, that's not going to translate um, one, one iota. So, uh, and, and it would also, how are other players that oh, I value oh, I mean, higher? You know, we're, we're talking with a lot of like factors into it. Like, you know, I, I couldn't imagine Johnny Davis not having a, like if they do well, Johnny Davis has to do well. So it, it's, it's tough with uh, the, the questioning and the line of thinking that we're using. And it's fun. And it's fucking mo- so much better than talking about the Blazers. So I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Let's, let's continue to talk about. And one thing that I would, and I, I, I harp on this. Don't let the tournament define how you feel about a prospect. I, I was watching Purdue, Iowa today. And every time Jaden Ivey tried to drive, there was like four bodies in the paint. And there oh, was awful whole- spacing. They're so bad of spacing, but you see when he just got an ounce of space. I think his shoulder. I feel like that's shoulder driven because he gets 
really skinny in very tight spaces because he's very acrobatic. And I texted you, I was like, if Jaden Ivy was spacers, that's that's game over. Like that's just not fair. Just think you're not- of it, like I think Sasha's a really good shooter, but then who else can shoot it, a jumper on that team? I couldn't tell you. I mean, like I feel like Edie is a really big hamper to them when they're playing teams like Iowa with with Murray and other Murray shooting like he he has like he doesn't have the foot speed to hesitate and he hesitated a lot in coverage like if if I was the coach of Iowa or if I was the coach of Purdue Travion's playing a lot of fucking minutes for me man because I Edie could not handle that and with how many NB teams are gonna be shooting Edie off the floor like no, he, he's he's a Boban Marjanovic type of switch it up prospect. If I was Purdue, I, I Travion playing a lot more minutes. What does Tari Tari Eason have to do to uh, for you to be fine with us drafting him him with the New Orleans pick? There's nothing he can do because that LSU team is just awful to watch. I mean, so bad to watch, and they're going to be breaking a, a new head coach. He's a prospect where. I'm going to have to trust scouts. I'm going to have to trust his combine. I'm going to have to trust how he looks in, in you know, five on five action, how he measures um, because it's, they play rec ball at L- LSU. I mean, it's, there's just no structure. They don't really have, it, it's just crazy. Uh, not a pleasant team to watch. And it, it's really hard to get a feel uh, for what he's capable of doing. He, he has improved his shooting. I don't know how much I love the form, but Sean Marion made a career out of a shitty form too. So that's another thing is like, is, is he going to be able to at least keep the defense honest? Like that, that's one thing I kind of feel like with, with Tari Easton is like, you kind of get Gerald Wallace vibes, but I don't know if Gerald Wallace would be able to play in today's era because he was such a bad shooter. Like he's going to have to be a respectable, not a great, but a respectable shooter. So where he can help space that floor, like NBA is all about space. It is all about role and it is all about versatility. Can you, can you play more than one position? Can you do more than one thing, especially you're taken in the lottery? So, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think there's anything that what's that. Isn't that the same issues with Sochan? Yeah. Yeah. They're very similar prospects, very similar prospects. And again, it's going to come down to who, who measures out longer, like who's got the better maybe instincts. Um, I mean, like, I feel like Sochan is a, he's a really great prospect, but the lack, like the, the, I feel like his guards aren't the best for him to show his, the, the, the the great things that he can do on the floor. And that shot is still a question mark. I uh, maybe say I prefer the form on on Sohan's shot. I believe that Tari Eason is a better prospect than Sochan. I feel like he can move better. And I, I, if we're going to talk about questionable shooters, I would rather t- like if both of them are questionable. I, I think Tari's the better defender. I outside of Chet, I think Tari's the best defensive prospect in this draft. I mean, Chet's so damn special that like he's obviously number one, but as a defender, I think you know what. Let, let's talk about it. Who's your number one prospect? It's Jabari Smith. Really? Okay. 
I think so. You want to talk about unwatchable teams? Uh, it's really hard to watch Auburn uh, right now. I mean, their two starting guards, I think at one point, were one for 16 against Texas AM. I mean, the announcers were really harsh on, on their guards, but I, I think, well, their coach needs to be harsh on their guards because he kind of just lets them play with reckless abandon and the offense ends up being, oh, Jabari, you're open, just shoot a three. Like that's, that's all, all they do. So if I just can, when I watch Jabari Smith, I envision him fitting in on every single NBA scheme and you can run anything around him. He fits in like a glove, especially with Portland. I just imagine the looks he's going to get alongside Dame and, or, or, you know, Nurk. I mean, he just, I think he's going to blossom, especially when he's playing alongside more talented players. Um, I would say the one thing I, I want to see a little bit more is, is the shot creation, but I, I need to see that from every prospect. Like that, that's, that's the thing. If you're talking top five, like how can you get your own shot? Um, but defensively, I think he is a NBA. They're two different type of defensive prospects. Chet's going to, Chet's going to close out on you and he's going to be really a menacing around the rim, but he also has the, the, the strength concerns. Is he going to be able to do that to an NBA level defense? Whereas Jabari, I think he can play extremely good uh, on and off ball defense. Like he's got the instincts. He's got the length. He's got the quickness. He may not be the best shot blocker, um, but I, I think he has everything else you want there. Now we, we've discussed this. If, if Chet is stronger He's a clear-cut number one pick. Like that's the one thing you can't really predict: is his body going to take to having more weight? Greg Oden's didn't. Greg Oden's body just broke. He couldn't. I mean, he wasn't skinny by any means, but like his 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 frame wasn't meant to hold all, all that weight. And it's, it's you know that's there's a reason why these these players are you know freak athletes. They're so they're so huge. They're tall. Like human bodies really not used to having all of that. You know weight and you're running up and down, you're putting a lot of pressure. So the, the, the huge question marks around each chat is, can he gain weight? And if he can, is he still going to be as productive as he can? Because if he is, he's the clear cut number one. I mean, let, it, let's be real. I on like, as the year has gone on with Jabari and I get it that the team isn't optimized for him, but Chet feels I feel really good about Chet as a defensive prospect and the fact that he can hit threes. Uh, the, the, the unicornness of Chet, it, it just got me. Like, it's not my job to make this pick. And if I did, if it was, I would be nervous. But the, the way that he moves across the court and shows off his IQ in every single possession his rotations are some of the best that I've ever seen his patience, his shot blocking. I, I, he's my number one prospect. Again, Jabari has this one skill that is so valuable and good, but Chet's all around game. He's so, he is so fucking good that if, if Portland went one and we, we both were in the uh, draft thing, I would, I, I would be pretty passionately saying that Chet's uh, the better prospect. Sorry, right, Jabari, I still got faith in you. I mean, shit, like, if, if we got two, I'm taking whoever's not pick, picked and be extremely happy about it. 
but that ceiling and Chet makes you feel him in every possession when he gets targeted. He's also a year older. I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that, and that's a concern. But the the what Chet does on the floor is so impactful, and I, I got, I got to go with Chet number one, and then Jabari two. You know, and I, I was the first one to say Jabari Smith is perfect for uh, Portland, but now it's like fucking a Chet's fantastic. Don't, don't blame Jabari's awful guards. But I, I have, I have huge question marks about his dribbling and his uh, potential as a, as, as that shot creator. He could be the second, like he could be one of the best. But from what I've seen in his, as his dribbling has a. Uh, in the very limited times that it has been shown off, it's like he had that move in game two that is going to be the the highlight clip of highlight clips, but that doesn't happen a lot, and it doesn't really happen ever. So his one skill set's fucking amazing. I just am questioning the other parts of the game. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> do we have any? Do we have any questions about this Blazers team? <laughs> No, I didn't ask for any questions. I was playing Monopoly with my with my fam. That's fine. What's your Monopoly strat? This one ended up being like a cat's game, so to speak. Like all the properties were bought up and nobody had all all colors to to build anything on. So we kind of had to just like uh, wheel and deal a bit. And I think I think all of us at one point ended up having houses or hotels and obviously you just buy as much as you can up front and get those hotels. And then I just like, I'm pretty cautious too. Like I'll, I'll make sure I have enough cash in case I land on something, but you know, I got the the light blues all, all locked in. And I think by the time we left, cause it was getting a little bit late and I came on to, to podcast. Um, it was just down to me and Olga and I had more cash. So I, I got the, got the dub there. Nice. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, who are we playing this next week of uh, Blazers basketball? <laughs> so in, instead of actually breaking down each game, because we don't know who's even going to play for Portland, I, I don't believe Anthony's going to play at all on this road trip. Uh, we will be discussing the Hawks on Monday, the Knicks on Wednesday, the Nets on Friday, the Pacers on Sunday, and then they do play the Pistons and a back-to-back on Monday. Instead of breaking down each game, I think that's, where beyond where we're at for, for this season. What is a team that you're most worried about playing that Portland would win? Indiana, man. Like they're they're also competing for a, a, a draft spot. Like there are some there are some players that can be built with Halliburton. Like is is Halliburton the best prospect they've had as a point guard since Mark Jackson? Like let's be—he is—he is a good prospect. He is a good point guard. Hmm. It's time to build with with Halliburton. Like, is Jeff Teague better than him? Is no, I can't even think of who who is their point guards. Yeah, Mark Jackson's old ass Mark Jackson too. Yeah, he's probably their best point guard they've ever had. They've always been big, heavy. Like they've been they they they, they had Jermaine O'Neal. Yeah, I mean, they had really good guards in Artesta and Reggie, and but they, they're big. They've had Rick Smith, they had Detlef Shrimp, they had uh, Jermaine O'Neal, like um, Paul George. Like they, 
were usually wing and big heavy. Like the, Reese is like their best pure point guard they've ever had. I think Halliburton in terms of like pure point guard play is better than Mark. Like, Oh yeah. The way that Tyrese Halliburton sees the court is special. And if I was Indianapolis, I would want to tank. So that is a team without a doubt in my mind. Like they, they do not want to win this game to give Portland a chance to scoop up. Like they, they could, I feel like Paulo's best chance of hitting his ceiling is with Halliburton playing point guard. Could you imagine Halliburton and Jabari? Like that is, that is deadly. So if I, if I was the Blazers, I'd be the most scared about them. And, but they've been playing Buddy Heald. They've been playing uh, Chris Duarte. They've been playing good players. Like, obviously, our team's worse. But at the end of the day, like, that team is fighting for losses. So that's the team that's most scared of me. Like, I think Brooklyn's going to beat our ass because we stole a win from them. Oh, Brooklyn needs to win to get into the playoffs. And yeah, and they have KD. And then is it in Brooklyn or is it? These are all road games. Okay, okay. And then yeah, Knicks- I, I, th- I think you're probably right there. Um, Detroit's been playing good basketball of late, and it's on the second night of a back-to-back, also the last game of the road trip. Uh, Atlanta is on a back-to-back, but we have never really played well in Atlanta, and I don't assume they're resting anybody. The Knicks are still trying really hard. Mm-hmm. And who who on our team is, uh, is going to stop Julius Randle, who's had a bad year, and... RJ Robinson and oh fuck no yeah like and RJ Barrett RJ Barrett's been playing really really well as of late he has been yeah like I, I how are we going to handle the power of RJ Barrett I don't know but I think you're right I think Indiana is going to be the the toughest one but it will be on the road so hopefully the the Pacers will get red hot from from, from downtown with with Buddy Buckets they have, they have Buddy Buckets they have Chris Duarte it's they an interesting way to end the season. It's a five-game road trip, a five-game homestand, a five-game road trip, and then they end the season against Utah uh, at home. So it's it's really, I think, up and down as to see where Portland will will finish. I've been going to uh, 538's um, website, and they do updated predictions after every game. And so I go to the, the projected record, and right now, they have Portland finishing with the seventh worst record, uh, 31 and 51. So that would be five more victories. They have Indiana at 29 wins, Sacramento at 29 wins, but they have the Spurs at 32. So um, they don't have the Pelicans making the playoffs, which would give Portland their pick. So it is really strange how one game really can swing the pendulum when you're tanking. Uh, you even just look at that that four game winning streak Portland had prior to the the All Star break, and if, if those are even half losses, you're really feeling good about where Portland's at in the lottery. But you win those games, then you beat the Wizards, and it's like, oh shit, we got to go another five or six game losing streak. It, it's it's really odd to How be on this side. Josh Hart play? What's that? How many more games does Josh Hart play? I think he has to play. I mean, I, I mean, the Nurk injury, I think, is already eyebrow raising. And then you're you're saying that Anthony Simons is hurt. But like at a certain point, like this team is bad. Josh Hart, he did, shouldn't be winning games. But you have <laughs> what's the date of that? What is the date of this uh uh road trip? 
what do you mean the date? When does it days? start? Yeah, when does it start? The 14th and ends the 21st. Like, let's be real, man. I play daily fantasy every day. I know teams start tanking at this time. Like, I think it's right after All Star break too. March and April, like, I have to stay on my computer till seven PM every day to do daily fantasy. Teams, uh, teams be tanking. I, I, I think now it's like, what's more important for the Blazers? Is it to give Josh Hart his minutes in games where it's like he has to have the best game of his life to, for us to win, or is Keon Johnson? It, like he needs these minutes more than Josh. Like if I was the coach, make Keon play 35 minutes a game, man. Like there's no reason for Josh Hart to play minutes in yeah, any I think, scenario I think other if you than play like Josh, you cap it at 24. Like it's a lost season. The last thing you would do would want him to get significantly hurt because he has a building block for next season. So everything needs to be with the fall of 2022 mm-hmm. in mind. Like that, that's just how it has to be. Like I, if you bought tickets for these games or, or whatnot, or for season ticket holders, you just have to say, you know, we've made the playoffs nine straight years. Like this just is what it is. You're going to have to suffer through some shitty ass basketball, but Hey, you'll have first dibs on a team featuring possibly Javari Smith or, or, or Chet Holmgren next year. And that's going to be a hot item. So like I said, short-term pain, long-term gain that that's really what it has to be um, for the rest of the season. And, as we're looking at it, Sage, like it's kind of strange. Like I know you get better odds as you move up, but like I kind of feel good at just like sticking at six. I don't know that that just that was the last time Portland won the lottery. They had the sixth best chances. It just you kind of get it's a different vibes. lottery though, man. What's that? It's a different with the four. It still is, yeah. but like you're not one. You're not going to get to four. Like I think five is the absolute highest this team could get, unless we get lucky. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you go into the lottery. Like, I just feel good about having the six best chances. I don't know. Just I just want to give ourselves the best chance, and that means L's. So oh, it, absolutely. But yeah. I, I don't. I, I think six would even be lucky for us to get that high. Yeah. But like you said, other teams are losing. I feel like the Kings are the best chance of uh, passing us. God, they need to relegate the Kings. They're actually trying to win, and they can't do it. Yeah. And uh, oh, shit, Sabas was out last time they played, too. No, they had him against the Jazz. They lost to the Jazz without Rudy Gobert. Mm. Mm. They Be lost to the Nuggets one. without Sabas. No, 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 no. The la- I played Daily Fantasy. I'm telling you, I pay attention to the Kings. Let me they look. Lost to the I Nuggets swear to God that the- he did not play one game. And uh, Yes, it was against the Nuggets. It. He did not play against the Nuggets. Okay, because... Yeah, I, re- I remember I had I had to play Damian Jones, and you remember those days where uh, Hassan Whiteside was starting because Rudy Gobert was benched. And okay, I'm I'm looking at Basketball Reference on the ninth, Denver at Sacramento. There is no Domas; he did not play. And then I look last Saturday against the Jazz. They just benched him because he only got that one game suspension. So you were right. He didn't play that game, but it wasn't due to uh, the suspension. But the Jazz did not have Rudy Gobert either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> fucking Hassan Whiteside played. So we were both right. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I have to fucking pivot to 
uh, Damian Jones and Hassan Whiteside. It's a really unpleasant situation that you're. Oh, they said it was day to day personal. He did not mm-hmm. play in personal. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, Damian Jones, Hassan Whiteside. You remember. You remember your. You're, you're absolutely right. Okay, yeah. so they lost two games without. Boom. I feel like De'Aaron Fox has played better as of recent. Yeah, get him a damn win though. Come on, we need we need the Sacramento. All right. Do you have anything else you want to uh, talk about? No, it was a fun episode to record. It's past okay. midnight. We talked about food we like to eat. We talked about March Madness. We talked a lot of March Madness. <laughs> a lot of hypotheticals, but shit. I mean, who else is putting out weekly content about this Blazers team? Like we're and doing future Fridays. Like, yeah. come on now. Thank you for rocking with us again. If you enjoy us, would love a five-star review, um, five like and five-star review on, on Apple, that that really helps the podcast grow and just lets us know that what we're doing, you know, something that you find uh, enjoyable. Like, otherwise it's, we got to switch up our games, but yeah. hopefully you like what we're doing and that, that would be very, very helpful for us. All right. We're on iTunes, Google, Stitcher Play, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing Net, Button Net Radio, and we're out of here. Peace. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.